Hello, and welcome to The B-Spot, a place to talk about life that's almost therapy, but not quite therapy. Again, not quite therapy. So if you are experiencing a serious mental health or substance abuse issue, please seek individual therapy from a licensed therapist. Now, my name is Brian Heller, and over the past 18 years as a licensed therapist, I've noticed that issues like depression and anxiety and addiction, uh, trouble with relationships, parenting challenges, teens, screens, and many other symptoms of being human come up for us all in a variety of ways. So come rejoice in being human. I won't pretend to have all the answers, but I do understand some things and I feel compelled to share them with you. The B-Spot is also a place for you to bring your issues to be discussed. A counseling perspective when you don't have time or money to see a counselor. So come join me at the B-Spot and let's talk about it. Hello and welcome back to the B-Spot for another dose of almost therapy but not quite therapy. Today I want to talk about another topic that comes up quite often for us humans and that is what on earth are we going to do with ourselves to earn money? To live? How can we connect with what has meaning for us in order to find meaning in our lives? So many of us identify so strongly with our professional selves that it significantly contributes to how we form our identity, who we believe we are, and who we want others to believe we are. A common view of work or employment is that it's a means to an end. I work so that I can play. I need to earn money and this is how I do that. Well, I certainly understand that view and would say that even today, that view is part of why I do what I do. I've also learned that it's a very limiting and potentially harmful way of thinking. I've learned that work is so much more, or at least it can be so much more. I've learned that there are different levels of what I would call the hierarchy of employment options, though, and when you view that hierarchy through the lens of that individual's placement on the hierarchy of needs according to Maslow, you realize that some people in some situations just don't have the luxury of following their passions. And I'll speak to those folks too. But for most of us, if we change the way we think about earning a living, we can move ourselves much closer to our personal goals. So, what does it mean to earn a living? What message does that expression convey? It implies that without working, you haven't earned your right to live. I don't know about you, but to me, that sounds a bit harsh. Yes, we all must find ways to contribute to our communities and to the world at large. But does that mean we must work? Or could it mean that we're all tasked with the responsibility the challenge to uncover, discover, or recover our passions. That we all must figure out what our hearts and minds drive us to do when not burdened with the idea of earning a living. What if we did a positive reframe on earning a living? What if we said that we all must figure out what our unique set of passions and gifts are 
and find a way to share those passions and gifts with others. What if that reframe more accurately reflects each individual's right, ability, and responsibility to change the world? What if we all have that power within us? For me, that starts to change the entire framework of education. My purpose in this session is not to talk about the state of our education system, although that may come in a future session. I'm just saying, what if rather than teaching kids to build sets of skills so that they can find a job, what if we start to help them discover their unique set of gifts and passions? Rather than teaching advanced math and sciences that will only be relevant for a few, what if in addition to that we offer courses designed to help kids discover their fire? Again, not trying to spend too much time on the depressingly broken system of public education in this country, and especially in this state, but our kids sure would benefit if that system encouraged them to change their mindset from how to find a job to how to find your passion. Imagine the boost in self-esteem that would come from every kid being able to have the experience of feeling like the expert sometimes. Imagine how that shift would encourage growth and how fulfilling life would feel if everyone was doing what they felt passionately about. Dare I dream? But given that our system does not encourage this philosophical approach, what guidance can we offer our kids? and ourselves? Well, as with most things, it depends. It depends on how an individual's place on Maslow's hierarchy of needs influences their place on what I've been calling the hierarchy of employment options. Many people find themselves unable to chase their dreams because really they're just trying to survive. Let's start the discussion with those folks. If you find yourself at or near the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy, fighting to ensure that your physiological and safety needs are met, that you have food and a safe place to sleep, then your options are going to be significantly influenced by this. You've got to find work. You don't have the luxury of holding out for a management position, like Cousin Eddie from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It may hurt your ego a bit to have to work at a fast food restaurant or grocery store, but your ego won't pay the bills. If this is your current reality, you have to be a hoop jumper rather than an ego protector. I'm not saying you should subject yourself to abuse, but you likely will have to put up with a significant amount of BS with jobs at this level. Once you can establish and secure your basic needs, you'll have more options and will hopefully be able to move on to what I guess I'll call level two employment options. Level two employment options are available to those of us who have been fortunate enough, either through generational support or some combination of hard work and good luck, to have a safe place to sleep each night, food and water available when we need it, and to have engaged in the educational process long enough and well enough to have a piece of paper that opens doors and maybe even a second or third piece of paper that opens even more doors. There's such a wide range at this level, but the idea is that those at level two have more choices. 
They're also more likely to be able to protect their emotional well-being than those at level one. These are the people that have good jobs, often make plenty of money or at least enough to sustain a livable life, but for one reason or another, they just aren't happy. Every Sunday, they're filled with anxiety or sadness about having to return to their jobs on Monday morning and wishing it just wasn't so. These are the people asking themselves, is this really what it's all about? Going to this job I dislike every day instead of spending time with my family or doing something I love. How can this be what my life is supposed to look like for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years? And this leads to level three. Those who are living at the top of the employment options hierarchy. Those who have discovered a way to do what they love or feel passionate about and earn enough money doing it to meet their needs. Those who have figured out that all those obstacles that we can create in our heads to construct a story that leaves us in a diminished position are simply self-constructed illusions that only exist in our head. They have learned to ignore the illusions. I actually had that statement on my wall for years to remind me that most obstacles that appear to prohibit me from living the life that I want to live are illusions. Illusions that I have the option to ignore. I remember a commercial during the Super Bowl a few years back. It showed the yearbook pages of some people who had become very famous later in life. I remember looking at the regular schlubs beside the people who are now cultural icons and thinking, what's the difference? Is it aptitude or attitude? Did the people who became famous achieve something that was only available to them? Or could it be available to anyone? And I came to the conclusion that the difference is belief. Level three folks believe that they belong exactly where they want to be. They see the world as theirs to explore. Challenges don't turn them off, fire them up. They follow their passions and share their gifts. And they move through the world unapologetically and peacefully. We should all aspire to reach this state of consciousness, but also be kind and patient with ourselves as we work our way through levels one and two. How do we work our way through levels one and two? Well, it starts with changing the way we look at work. At level one, it may be about finding any job, but it doesn't have to feel terrible. It goes back to that decision that we make to see things as opportunities or obligations. Even if both are true, the classification choice we make will greatly influence how we experience the work. Using positive self-talk to remind yourself that this isn't forever. That this is you taking charge and working to meet your needs. That most obstacles you create, reasons why this job or that job won't work, are illusions that you have the option to ignore. And make sure that when you do go after a job that you are the squeakiest wheel of all those who are applying for that same job you are. Follow up with phone calls and drop by and visit and ask questions. Show that you want it more than the next person. Now, those at level two are likely to be more easily employed. 
and more likely to be currently employed based on those pieces of paper, but still unlikely to feel fulfilled by their work. For these people, it can be helpful to start thinking about the age-old question of what would I do if money were not a consideration? What would be my dream job? What jobs sound like the coolest jobs in the world? And then you find people who are doing those jobs and pursue information from them. The internet allows us to pursue information like never before. For example, if I ask myself this question and decide that people who design soccer balls have the coolest job in the world, I can use the internet to find a handful of companies that do this. I can then go to each company's website and find out who is in charge of the designs. If that person's email isn't available on the website, the company's phone number is. I can call and ask questions about the person and get some kind of contact information. Next, I can reach out to that person and tell them how cool I think the job is and how I'm considering going down a similar path. If they're local, I can offer to take them out to lunch to pick their brain or if they're not local, I can ask for 10 or 20 minutes of their time to talk via video or phone. I've found that most people really like to talk about themselves, especially to someone who thinks they've done pretty well for themselves. I've also found that most people are more than willing, even excited, to share wisdom and experiences with those hoping to follow in their footsteps. It's called an information interview. It's an interview with the purpose of collecting valuable information, not a job. Ask thoughtful questions. Ask them how they got where they are. Where did they go to college? What was their major? What was the biggest surprise once they got to their job? What's the best part of their work? What's the worst? What's the level of commitment look like? What's a typical day look like? Ask them if they'd go down the same path again or would they change it? And after spending whatever time is available for this, you thank them for their time and you use the information you've gathered to help inform your decision about pursuing that particular path. The information you get from someone who actually has the job is so much more valuable than the information you can get from educators. And now you've made a contact in the field you're hoping to enter. And it can turn out to be valuable to preserve that connection, even if it's only through occasional email contact. You may also learn that the job that you thought was the job of your dreams is not actually the job of your dreams, and that's valuable too. Another strategy, once you've identified a dream direction to go, is to create a vision board that reflects that dream. Let the universe know that this is going to happen. Start challenging yourself to believe in yourself and your ability to achieve all that you desire. Cut out pictures or words or anything else that can help to define your dream outcome. And let the universe do its thing while you do yours. You have to fight through all that conditioning that has you believing that dreams are for other people, not you. You have to fight through that imposter syndrome as you pursue your dreams. And then once again, when you achieve them, you have to convince yourself 
that you belong exactly where you want to be. Always remember that you will look to prove what you believe to be true. So strive to think only the best about your opportunities and your abilities. For those of you listening to this and realizing that you have not followed your passions for whatever reason, don't worry. You can still find ways to express your passions and share your gifts, even if it isn't through your job. Or you could always change career paths. People find themselves in various jobs and careers for a variety of reasons. And it's easy to see how anyone could feel trapped on a path based on the lifestyle it affords or the respect it commands or any other attachments or fears. I've always identified with the idea that a job or any situation really can feel like a set of golden handcuffs keeping you trapped in a bad situation because of the benefits of that situation. And just like Briar Rabbit, it feels safer to sit in the thorns than it does to risk everything for change. But if you are ready to change, you are going to need to learn how to ignore those illusions that tell you you can't. It can be hard to change the way we see ourselves. It can be hard to not let who you've been hold you back from who you can be. It's easy to allow fear of the unknown and fear of failure to keep you sitting in that thorn bush way too long. I think of a tunnel in the shape of an L as a change metaphor. And as you work your way down the long part of the tunnel, it gets darker and darker and you cannot see any light coming from the end of the tunnel. And it's tempting to turn back as it gets darker and darker, to turn back to what's behind you because you can see some light back there. You know what that is. Even if it wasn't good, you know what it is. And that certainty is often less frightening than the uncertainty of getting to that point where it's so dark. But all you have to do is turn and then you see new light and you make your way down that part of the tunnel. Finding the courage to push past that corner is what change is really all about. And it's hard and scary. When working toward change, expect challenges, but choose to see them as mile markers or coins to be collected or pellets to be gobbled up if you're a Pac-Man fan on your way to achieving your desired outcome. See them as part of the process. When you create obstacles in your mind, challenge them. Watch them break down and fall apart as you properly identify them as self-created illusions. Remember all the catchy sayings. It's your attitude, not your aptitude, that determines your altitude. If you believe it, you can achieve it. You are what you think. They're all cliches because they're all true. So what do you want to do with your life? What do you want your kids to do with their lives? Is it better to view the world as full of opportunities or as burdened with obligations? Is it really possible that each human has their own special set of gifts and passions and the power to change the world? One expression of those gifts and passions at a time? Is it possible that finding and sharing our passions 
is the true purpose of life? All of these things are not only possible, but actually appear to be closer to the truth than what our education system currently teaches our kids. Our system tells kids that they must find their career path and assimilate into the world as it exists. This new approach teaches kids to find their passion and learn how to share it with others to change the world rather than reinforce its dysfunction. Even if you aren't able to pinpoint your passions, every person has passion for something. It's likely been beaten out of you and labeled as counterproductive toward the conformity and assimilation that has been demanded of you for your entire life. But there's never been a better time to jump out of the briars and start taking ownership of your story. There's never been a better time to model for your children that work doesn't have to be a miserable obligation, but rather it can be an opportunity to find express and share each person's unique set of gifts and passions. And through this discovery and expression, not only are you more likely to enjoy life, but you're also more likely to have a positive impact on this world. And we sure do need more of that. The best time to plant a tree may have been 20 years ago, but the second best time is today. If you're itching for the change, make the change. Thank you for joining me for another session of Almost Therapy at the B-Spot. Hopefully you're thinking about your challenge of earning a living just a little bit differently. And maybe you can help your kids challenge that same strange idea that we are all trained to believe. That we must somehow earn our right to live by working. You have each already earned your right to live, your purpose, my purpose and everyone's purpose for being here is not to earn the most money or buy the fanciest toys to play with or the fanciest box to live in. Our purpose is to share our energy, our gifts, our passions with the world. And by doing so, we make the world just a little bit brighter and more positive. And again, just imagine if everyone were doing that, what a world it would be. You can participate in this podcast, if you would like, by emailing me at bhellercounseling at gmail.com. You can send me any thoughts, concerns, questions, issues, things you want me to talk about, and I will respond to you because my unique set of gifts and passions involve working with people. The topic of our next session has yet to be determined, so if there's something that you would like to hear about, send me an email. Until our next session, be well.